Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is how to research and learn more about a scripture and its background. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles to join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and it is my honor to serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, is researching scripture just something that pastors do, or why would your average Joe walking down the street want to do this? I think I get this question from a lot of folks who are just curious about what's in the Bible. Okay. How do you find out what that stuff means? I saw John 3.16 on some football thing and want to know what it is. And want to know more about it. And some of this comes from the general attitude of suspicion that is just a part of our culture now. So we don't want to necessarily trust just whatever we're being told. There's a little bit too much fake news out in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And people don't always trust that what they're hearing, either from the mainstream audio that they can hear or those kinds of things about what a scripture means. They want to find out for themselves and they're curious and they want to learn. And knowing what's a reputable source and what isn't a reputable source and how do you know how to do it and what do you do to start the process of digging into scripture? All of those kinds of questions are questions that I get from folks who are just really wanting to know more about what's in the Bible and how do you understand it in daily living. Okay. Now this, we're going to get a little bit into the background of, if you're still curious about how to actually find things like John 3.16 in a Bible, we did an entire podcast on that. And I would love it if you went back and referenced that if you need to as well. Sure thing. And another one to reference another podcast since we've been doing this for more than a year now. I know. And another podcast to reference would be to go back and take a look at the difference in interpretations and translations. Mm-hmm. There's a whole podcast we did early on about the different translations of the scripture, understanding that the first testament is originally written in Hebrew and the second is written in Greek. And so anything that you read in any language other than ancient Hebrew and ancient Greek is a translation. Mm -hmm. And so how to choose a translation or understand why translations differ one from another, all covered in that previous podcast. So if you're listening to us via iTunes, Hop on over to our website at centralportland.org and click on the podcast button right on our homepage. It'll take you to the blog page of where you can find the church basement. And we'll have a whole bunch of links on this week's podcast for you to just go diving into. And we'll include those podcast links. Excellent. I think that one of the places where people begin is just finding a scripture that they want to know more about something that they're curious about. And oftentimes in my ministry, the reason why people have come and said, I want to know more about this is because oftentimes the scripture has been used against them. Mm. Can we step back for a quick second and define what a scripture is? Are you talking any bit that is in the Bible? Does a Psalm count? What counts? That's a great question. When I'm using that term, I am talking about what's in the Bible. Okay. Anything in the Bible is fair game. Anything in the Bible is fair game. Now, if a rabbi friend of mine were speaking, he would be speaking about the Hebrew scriptures, sure, uh, which is the first testament of our Bible. Someone else might be speaking about, you know, whatever their sacred book is. So okay. the word scripture references sacred readings. Whether it's the Quran, whether it's the Hebrew Bible, whether it's 
You got it. Okay. So when I reference scripture, I'm referencing the accepted canon of books in our Bible. Okay. And most often not the extra little bit called the Apocrypha. Okay. Although what we'll talk about today works for the Apocrypha text as well. Okay. It's all the same kind of stuff. So a lot of times when people come and ask me about a particular book and verse and section of scripture, they're saying, you know, I was told that I couldn't say anything in church because women aren't supposed to speak in church. Mm-hmm. What is that about and how do I learn more about that? First step, find out where it is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Find out if it is in the Bible. Because <laughs> it may not be. It may not be, right? That particular one that I referenced is, but there's God only helps those who helps themselves. That's not in our Bible. Mm-hmm. So first start, go to Google, pull up your internet. You're getting us on the internet, so I'm assuming... That you've got access to the internet. Google is fair play in this, huh? Google is fair play. So put in the words that you think are going to get you what you're looking for. Go ahead and use your Google search keywords. So maybe put in Bible scripture and then a quotation, like open your quote, put in your quote, close your quote. So that way it's looking for that whole section of the quote together. Okay. It's one of your search tools. And it will look for that section in the Bible. So it's going to give you a chapter and verse. It's going to give you potential chapter and verse. Okay. Now you're going to get a whole bunch of different hits back. And depending upon your own search history, you'll get different things back, right? Sure. So keep that in mind. When I type that in, most of my top hits come back with a reference to BibleGateway.org. Okay. BibleGateway is a website that has hundreds of translations of the scripture all in its database and all accessible. So it will most often take me to Bible Gateway and show me the chapter and verse of what I was kind of looking for. Okay. You can go directly to Bible Gateway and run a search from there too if you think it's in the scripture, if you think what you're thinking of is there. Sometimes I find going to Google is better because I don't know what translation the words are that I've heard. Oh, interesting. And if I go to Bible Gateway, it automatically defers to one translation only. So where does this matter? Well, let's say you're trying to find out where is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Mm -hmm. And you want to know where exactly that is from in the scripture. If you type that into Bible Gateway and it's set to the New Revised Standard Version, not going to find it? find it. Oh, fascinating. Because that's the New King James translation. If you type it into Google, it'll find the New King James translation and send you... To the right section of Bible Gateway then? Correct. Interesting. And then you can change the translation. It'll send you to the psalm, and then you can change the translation of the psalm, and you can see it in the New Revised Standard Version, where it's, even though I walk, instead of, yea, though I walk mm-hmm. through the battle, even though I walk through... Mm, that language. So the language Mm -hmm. shifts just Mm -hmm. enough that you may or may not be able to find it. Fascinating. So going to Google will help you find out where it is in scripture. Now, once you've figured out where it's located and what you're looking at, then you've got a couple of different options. You can start with your study Bible, right? So if you have a study Bible and it has commentaries throughout it. Maybe it has an intro to that book at the beginning of it. So each 
part of our Bible is called a book. Mm-hmm. And this is all covered in that other podcast mm-hmm. about how to read the Bible. So each section, which could kind of seem like a chapter, mm-hmm. if you think of the Bible as a book, it's called a chapter. If you think of the Bible as a library, which mm. is a closer metaphor, okay, then each section is a book, right? So okay. you find out what book it's in. So if we're looking at Psalm 24, you're in the book of Psalms. So in a study Bible, there might be a section at the beginning, right before the Psalms, that explains what the Psalms are, how they function, what they do, what the history of them was, all that kind of background stuff. So you can look in your study Bible to see if that kind of piece is there. Another place for you to go if you're looking for like hard copy kind of things Mm -hmm. is you can go to a library, perhaps if you're close to where there might be a theological library. Here in the Portland area, you could go to Portland Seminary, which is housed in Tiger. It's the George Fox Portland campus, Okay, Portland satellite campus, and they have a library there. Okay. And you will be able to look at commentaries. So these are hard copy books that have been published that hold commentaries about all of the scripture in it. It's usually many volumes long. Sure. uh, Like an old encyclopedia. If you remember like in the 1990s or 80s, the great big encyclopedia sets. It's like that only for the Bible. Okay. And you can grab the commentary on the Psalms and open that up and start digging through it. Who is going to be giving that commentary, though? Scholars. Okay. Those kinds of commentaries are written by scholars. There's lots and lots and lots of them. Now, the beauty of doing this as a hard copy is I'm going to guess because of the oversight that happens in actually printing a book, you're going to feel like you're getting a fairly reputable source. For those of us not lucky enough or not willing enough to go the hard copy route, you're going to have to be careful about doing this all online, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just like you can find really bad stuff about anything, you're going to be able to find irreputable sources about the Bible. Okay. Sure thing. Yes, published resources oftentimes have credibility to them. And coming from reputable publishing houses will give you solid information. Sure. But you can still get caught into a loop of, depending on who has published it, what their biases and biases. Precisely. And so you just want to go in with a wise eye on those kinds of things. I'd say that when I was in seminary, I used commentaries, hardback commentaries, because I had access to the Graduate Theological Union, which is nine different seminaries, right? I had access to that library. So I had access to maybe 10 or 15 different published commentaries. Sure. I don't hold a single set of commentaries in my pastoral library. Part of that is they're really expensive. Mm -hmm. We're talking about $1,000 for a whole set of commentaries on scripture. And they go out of date Mm -hmm. rather quickly. Scholarship changes, things that we know change, perception changes, those kinds of things. And so I don't have any, I have a couple, I'll take that back. I can't say I don't have any. I have a few commentary books in my office, but not a lot. I rely strongly online. And part of that is that there are other scholars that I really respect 
that have done a lot of that curating, who have done a lot of that compiling the information from the commentaries and putting it into one space, one paper. So someone that I really highly respect, his name is Brian Stoffergen. He's an ELCA pastor, and he writes brilliant, academic-based commentary. Okay. If you're looking for like, here's what the Greek says, and this is how it works with this, and this is the historical context, and all of that kind of stuff, he has written amazing stuff about all of the readings that we have in church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the tips that I can give are going to revolve around being able to find stuff for the readings on Sundays. Okay. Because that's where I spend most of my research time. Okay. And that's what has the most research easily available for it online because so many millions of people rely on the revised common lectionary, these set readings for Sunday morning for their Sunday services. Okay. And so the vast amount of information that's available out there is going to be on those readings. Which is not the entire Bible. It is not the entire Bible. Okay. So if there are sections that you want to look at that never get read in church on a Sunday morning, you're going to have to work harder Okay. to find reputable commentaries on that. And you might have to go to a library. Okay. You might have to go to alternative sources for those kinds of pieces. Now, say you do actually go to a library and there does happen to be a seminary near you. How much variance are you going to get from these things from the different religions themselves, like the Episcopalians versus the Lutherans versus the Catholics? The different denominations? Yes. I didn't find much variance when it comes to this style of research. Because oh, interesting. This style of research is academic. Okay. Right? We're not talking bird in the tree kind of understanding of look at how the bird flies and amongst the branches, right? We're looking at bird in the pan. Okay. This is its gizzard and these are its ribs and that kind of almost scientific dissection of a scripture. Okay. And so there's not a lot of variance on what is there and what isn't there. When they start taking the interpretation when they start applying it to daily life, when they start applying it or making commentary on current culture, that's where you start to see the variance. Sure. But what the Greek word is, how it relates to other Greek words, how it translates, those kinds of things, that doesn't much change from place to place because it's pretty set. Interesting. All right. So another hardback resource that some may have in their homes, some may not, it's called a concordance. Okay. So a concordance is a book that has every word used in the scripture. Everyone. Yes. And the way it works is it'll be keyed to a translation. So the strong concordance that's in my office is keyed to the New King James translation. Uh-huh. I found it in a used bookstore. So I look up the verse in the New King James to see exactly what words are used. Okay. So we were doing a reflection before a meeting and it was one of these sections in Paul that gets really wonky and can be used very much to tell people to allow themselves to be abused. Okay. And 
I think that the section was we should celebrate or we should rejoice in our persecutions. Hmm. And that was the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version translation. So then I pulled out my New King James to figure out what the word was in the New King James. Uh-huh. And then I looked into the Strong's Concordance to say, okay, what, you know, is rejoice? What Greek word is this? And it'll tell you the number of the Greek word. You don't have to know Greek at all. You can just look at this stuff. Okay. So then you go back to the Greek section, you find that number of that word, and then it tells you everywhere that that word is used in scripture. This book has got to be enormous. And very heavy. And this way you can see the variance in the word Uh and how it might hold different meaning in different contexts, and you can get a better understanding of maybe what was meant with that word. Is it really rejoice? Is it like how we understand it? Or is it that we should be hopeful Mm -hmm. or we should be grateful, right? Like how does that word get used? And, Mm -hmm. And by looking at the concordance and looking at the various ways the word is used throughout the scripture, you can get a much more nuanced understanding of the word. That kind of work is interesting Mm -hmm. and can be really fascinating Mm -hmm. for people who want to dig into that. So find a concordance, go on amazon.com and look for a Strong's concordance and see if you can get one cheap and start digging into it. See what you learn, see what you see. I still can't believe that somebody actually took the time to compile such a thing. Mm -hmm. That's mind blowing to me. Right. It's a big book, big, heavy book. I can imagine. Okay, so let's get back to the online. What other sources other than wikiality would you cite? (laughs) Well, to be fair, you can hop to Wikipedia. Okay. Let it be a starting place, right? Sure. So if you want to learn about something, if you want to know more about the Gospel of John, fine. Look it up on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Scholars aren't going to let the citation of the Gospel of John be that cruddy. (laughs) they're going to fix it. Right. I mean, sure. Think about that on some of these things. It might be one thing for a Wikipedia article on Amanda Zenzelow to not have any credibility to it. Or somebody to change it and add something silly. Exactly. Right. Like that, you know, whatever. But when we're talking about matters of faith and things like that, you still need to have your questioning glasses on like you do when you read anything in Wikipedia. But grain of salt. Grain of salt. And it can be a great place to start. Okay. So don't be ashamed of going there to get your base information. And then from there, go all the way down to the bottom and you're going to find lots of links. Okay. And those are the citations that people have put in to prove what they're saying in the article above. And then just start running down the rabbit hole. See where it sends you. Keep your cynical glasses on, Mm -hmm. question what you find, but run down the rabbit hole and see what you discover. I have a few sites that I particularly like. So when it comes to our Sunday morning readings, you can find out what those are by going to Vanderbilt's lectionary site. And we'll have the link on this on our website. And, or you can just Google Vanderbilt 
lectionary. Okay. And it will most likely come right up as one of the first things. And that site has all three years of the assigned texts for Sunday morning. And it's just in perpetuity. And the dates are on there and it's all set. So you can find out what's going to be read. Okay. So that's a great place to start to find out what you might want to be researching. If you don't have a specific question that's burning on your heart because someone has used scripture against you or this particular scripture you saw on a pretty plaque in a Christian bookstore and you want to know more about it. If you're just looking to dig in and learn how to study Bible, then go check out what the lectionary texts are going to be in a couple of weeks and start digging. You can start at the Vanderbilt lectionary site. So then from there, I have a couple of commentary sites that are my favorite places to go when I'm preparing for Sunday morning. Okay. I like to go to textweek.com, and I'll tell a little bit more about that. That's a huge resource, so I'll tell a little bit more about that in a minute. Preachthestory.com is a website run by Len Sweet, my mentor in my preaching program. Okay. And that's more of a story-based, a metaphor-based kind of a resource. It's great for preachers. It's less bird in the pan, more bird in the tree Okay, kind of commentary that is a subscription-based service. So there's lots of free stuff on there, but the specific commentaries on the Sunday sermons and options is a subscription-based piece. Okay. Workingpreacher.org is a website that is run from Luther Seminary and ELCA Seminary. Okay. And it has commentary, the researchy kind of commentary stuff on each of the scriptures for the week. And then it has a Dear Working Preacher section that is more of a, here's how you might bring it to life in your context. Here's how you might preach it. So you get an idea of the kind of background information, what's going on in the city of Corinth, why is Paul writing to the people in Corinth, what's going on, that kind of stuff. And then you'll get a pastoral style letter saying, here's how we relate that to our modern day stuff. So that's at workingpreacher.org. In the meantime is a section of David Lose's website. David Lose is now the president of one of our seminaries. Okay. He was a preaching professor for a very long time at Luther Seminary. And he writes like a, not a devotional style, but he takes all of his knowledge of decades of preaching, and he writes kind of like a letter to preachers on a weekly basis based on the scriptures for the week. And those are really good. David Lose's stuff is really solid. Okay. So it's a, a, an interesting way to enter into the scripture. The two that let you head towards an academic approach. First, for the Hebrew scriptures, is called Seferia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I would not be able to confirm or deny. <laughs> and we'll link that, but it's S-E-F-A-R-I-A. And that website has all of the Hebrew scriptures and the commentaries from history. Okay. And so some of these are you know, from before the time of Christ commentaries on the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. And the translation is there into English so that it can be utilized by those of us who don't have extremely effective Hebrew skills, <laughs> which is most of us, <laughs> many of us. And take a look. It's very different than what you're going to find in Christian commentary on Hebrew scriptures. Okay. 
it's Jewish commentary on Hebrew scriptures. And so it has a different take. It has a different flavor. I have to admit that does sound fascinating. It's really great. I was given the tip. I was told about it by Rabbi Kahana, who serves here in Portland, in a conversation it sounds kind of like a joke. It was a rabbi, a black Baptist preacher, and a girl liberal preacher sat down for lunch one day <laughs> and <laughs> to talk about preaching and to talk about sharing the word and how we study and those kinds of things. And Rabbi Kahana recommended Sferia, and it's a great resource. It's a fascinating resource to try to get away from the Christian commentary on the Hebrew sources. It's much more metaphor-based. It's more image-driven. It's less about being right and having the right answers, and it's more about kind of wrestling with the texts because that's a much more authentically Jewish way of coming at the scriptures. Sure. So a really fascinating and wonderful, rich website. So I highly recommend that one. It's a bit difficult to find your way around because you may not know the words sure. for the sections. Like if you don't know the word Tanakh means the first five books in the Bible, you're not going to yeah. know how to find Exodus. It's going to take some time. Right. So just bumble your way around it. You'll learn intuitively as you bumble your way through. Sometimes it's good to be landed in a new environment. And that's sure. what that website does. It's really great. Textweek.com is the other ginormous resource. And what that resource is, it's almost like a link database. And for each scripture of the lectionary for the week. When you open it up, there's going to be general links for the week of the year. Okay. And then you can click on the scripture and then there's dozens of links for each scripture. Okay. One section of it is going to be historical references. So this is going back to the early church fathers, some of the earliest writers, Tertullian and Origen and all of these first 500 years of the Christian church, they're writing on the scripture. And you can link to it if you have any access to academic databases, then like ATLA and those kinds of things, then you can link into those. You might have to sign in, but you can pull those and take a look at them. Okay. Or find someone who has those credentials and borrow it so that you can take a look at that stuff. So there's all the historical stuff, and then there's lots of other commentaries. Then you get into contemporary commentaries. That's where you're going to find Brian Stoffergen's work that I mentioned earlier. Okay. His is at crossmarks.com, I think is the name, and he gets linked a lot, and he's a great source to kind of get that nuts and bolts commentary stuff. Then there's resources for things like children's sermons. Oh, sure. And sometimes you can learn a lot about a scripture by seeing what people are doing for their children's sermons, mm -hmm. right? The author of Text Week will also put links for art and artistic representations of the scriptures throughout the centuries. And so it's this huge database and, and link base of information on these scriptures that you can really go digging and take a look at what you want to see from what did Martin Luther have to say on this to... What does a guy from Eastern Australia think of this in the 20th century? All of that kind of information. Excellent. Okay, so my last question is, have you ever come across something that you could not understand or find more about that you really wanted to? Two that come right to the top of my head. Okay. First is <laughs> this week's scripture. Oh, fun. Right? There's a section in 
this week's scripture, our epistle reading, where scholars have no idea what's going on. They... (laughs) That sounds crazy to me. Right. Because it's it's a word, it's a Greek word that doesn't get used much. And so it's hard to really understand it within the context because there's not a lot of context to help understand it. And there's not a ton of understanding the context of where the letter was being written to and those kinds of pieces. So These are the kind of things that always fascinates me. Why is it still in there then? Kick it out. Well, because a long time ago, they thought that it revealed God in a way. All right. So... We're trusting a long time ago. We're trusting a long time ago. The other one, and this is a great one, because a lot of people know this one. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay. The word daily in Greek is epiusion. That is the only time in our scriptures that that word is used. That's it? Epiusion bread. It's the only time. So there's no other place to compare the word to to find out what exactly they were talking about. That's nutty. That's such a thing. I mean, I, th- I think most people, even if you're not really religious, would know that, right? But they don't know if that meant a ration. Huh. Was this a ration? Was this the bread that is needed for today? Is this a specific bread? Is this a... Is it a metaphorical it, is it bread? Is a metaphorical bread? What is it? Epiusion, the only time that it is used in our Greek scripture, is that one sentence. And so there's credibility in that that has been the understanding of it for a long time. Sure. You can't verify it against the context of other sentences. Well, if anybody out there is looking for a way in on providing theories, (laughs) here's your starting point. (laughs) Go to town. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about researching scripture. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And good luck to you super sleuths out there. Have some fun digging in. And if you have more questions, you can always pop them up on Facebook or send us a question at podcast at centralportland.org. Thank you for listening. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.